to the Better Golf Podcast, where betters go to bet better. Here are your hosts, Tee Off Sports and Sticks Picks. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Better Golf Podcast. Nick and I are back after an extended break, and we are excited to be with you here in my backyard of Las Vegas, Nevada. If you aren't doing so already, we hope you will consider signing up for Underdog Fantasy, where you can play and hold real money drafts against either friends or random opponents. You can sign up today with the code BGP to get a 100% bonus match of up to $100 total and have the chance to compete against Nick and I in weekly tournaments that we will hold against all of our listeners. We have a very exciting announcement that we're going to give in a second of what Underdog has just released, but... Uh, Those tournaments will get an enhanced prize pool that will be of various amounts added to the pot from our show. So don't miss out on the fun. Nick, I don't know if you want to tell everybody now what Underdog has just released. Obviously, I'd like to hear how you're doing with everything. We haven't talked in a long time, but uh, uh, start us at the beginning of there and we can move on with the show. I'm doing well now. Underdog just opened full weekend drafts for golf. So no more just showdown only. We could draft a full tournament you're the only person that rosters the player you draft. Exactly what we want, like a just a week-long fantasy draft. This is fantastic. No dupes, nothing. We could go, oh, we got to take a draft. This is We're doing a private one today for sure. I will put out the link. Oh, this is great. All right. No, other than that, um, real quick, I'll just go over my betting card if you got it. Actually, just, just go to links and locks if you want to hear it. We'll go more DFS here. I'm super excited. Um this is it's limited contest at the moment. It looks like there's no GPPs. This is just straight two person, three person or four person drafts. I'm sure based on what we're hearing from our people over at underdog that they will make larger field contests like 10 to 12 person drafts, which would be fantastic because I think we'll fill those pretty quickly on Twitter and really juice up those prize pools. So even if we do like a $5 buy and we could do an extra hundred bucks to first or extra 75 and 25 to second, something like that. But that is fantastic news. Um, real quick, I know you had a new play that was not on the links and locks podcast. So if you want to drop that in real quick, cause any matchup that you do, even if it's just one round, I think I prefer your one round matchups. I don't know if you have yeah. your sitting record right now for your, uh, your one day matchups versus your full tournament long matchups, but it seems like you're always on fire. And I know the name you're about to mention. He is a Vegas native played the course many times. Someone I loved this week in terms of large field GPPs on salary cap format. And now. I don't I don't think it's this changes my answer now because I don't think I would play him in underdog because especially when it's smaller field, like I don't think I need to get this weird because like if, it, if you're yeah. playing in a four person draft, if that's going to be the highest field, we'll see if they open up more later today. You probably just want cut makers, guys like JJ Spawn and and whatnot. But yeah, go ahead with this play because that is a guy that I'll certainly play in GPPs and salary cap format. Yeah, I, I think beyond anything else, the four-person contest for the time being will make this that you should want to produce lineups that are as safe as possible. There's no point in trying to get outside of the box with it. I think it's a very standard build over four days should be the route to go with it. So it, it changes a lot of the answers that I, I'm sure Nick would have given and I would have given based off of that. But uh, to answer your first question of it, uh, statistically over the last five years, the in-tournament matchups, have hit at a percentage of 60.19% through a little over 400 plays with it. So, I mean, that's obviously a very robust number to give. Uh, The the pre-tournament matchups, 
the ones that I've really gone out on the limb, like that, that I label as my plays of the tournament, which would be like my play of the week. That's it at a 63.41%. And then just any standard play that I released just to give the full answer here. That's sort of 290 of these just standard plays, 54.83%. So that kind of gets an indi- uh, gives an indicator there of obviously these in-tournament matchups have been somewhere where I have found an advantage in the past. Now, this is going to be one that is extremely boomer bust, Nick. And, and I understand that as I give the play, but I went with Taylor Montgomery minus 110 over Joseph Bramlett. Uh, you're probably not going to find a more volatile pairing than you're going to get here with these two. Um, all of that being said, I found it extremely hard to trust a golfer like Bramlett when the last time that we've seen him in action came during the Genesis Scottish Open in July. He had missed five of his previous six weekends before that. That lack of golf has become highly pronounced. Like you don't have to look any further than last week at the Sanderson, which is something that he's been doing every single week. He registers for the tournament. He pulls out before the tournament starts. And then we move on to the next week with it. I don't have a guarantee by the time this show airs that he's not going to have already pulled out of the tournament. The hope for this would be that he tees it up on Thursday. I was telling you this and I joked about it. Like maybe I can convince him to go to Red Rock Casino to where he gambles with me. There we go play blackjack together. I can get him off the course. But I I do think there's a non-zero chance that he ends up teeing up and not finishing the round. You add that to Montgomery being a UNLV product. He's played the course many times. He's very familiar with the property. Bramlett could be anywhere with his game right now. So I understand the risk of where Montgomery finishes in dead last place tomorrow. And that's like where I usually don't take the volatility on in these matchups. But Bramlett is just such a fade candidate for me in every single capacity of how I ran my model, where Montgomery at least had that upside potential that I could find. The safety numbers were kind of bad across the board. I know, Nick, you have said historically Bramlett is a golfer that is good off the tee and provides that quality. I agree with that. Just don't know if this is exactly where I want to play him when this is his first start back. Like, you're obviously playing the unknown game here, but uh, I'm going to try to fade Bramlett if you're going to give me a matchup against a guy who hasn't played in multiple months now. Yeah, I mean, he's a bomber. Um, but he's not very accurate off the tee. He hasn't been accurate. Uh, let's see, pulling up his stats from 2023. He was above the field in fairways hit five times. Yeah. Not good. And barely above the field average when he, in, in those five, not once did he stand out on just hitting a lot of fairways. And we talked on links and locks. We kind of comp this course to TPC or D run there. So accuracy over distance but it, with that elevation we're going to get a lot of distance too so it shouldn't matter a whole lot guys that are short porch type of guys should get a lot of run out and a lot more fly here in the elevation um, but real quick i just wanted to mention a couple like in terms of salary cap and underdog all of these guys like it seems like the market kind of goes with itself the guys that are very popular for the most part are chalk if you want to say that word are high up on adps on underdog especially this week when there's a lot of good players in the field, you know, one guy that surprised me, Akshay Batia is going inside the top 10. I don't think that'll hold this sample size of the ADPs very light since the card on underdog opened um, late last night, but real quick, just guys that seems like no one are playing and they're sandwiched in between popular guys, Emiliano Grio in between Hadwin and Hoygaard in salary cap format. Hadwin's more of a course history guy, I guess, because his form is not very good. Not obviously Emiliano Grio is coming off pretty bad form as well, especially missing the cut in the Sanderson. But Emiliano Grio had a fantastic season and fit. Like when I I pulled the data, like 
I ran the, my numbers twice, I guess. I used a, a longer sample size. He was inside the top 10 there. And then I put, you know, recent form much heavier than I usually would and kind of made it, you know, like 60% that run to 40% of the longer data one. And Griot then sat inside the top 20, which still, I guess, to me would be like a negative EV play if he's ninth on the board in salary. But at no ownership, that's not that far off from, you know, the the betting outright market, I think, has him right around 15th um, in terms of the outright number. So Emiliano Grio had no ownership in between Hoygaard and Hadwin. Are you signing off on that play in terms of GPP contest? I don't think in a four-person underdog, I would draft him unless it's like one of the last two rounds. I think we could only roster six guys there. So I guess I could do that late if he fell that long. Otherwise, I'd just let someone else reach for him because – his fantasy projection on underdog is going to be much higher than the rest of the field, you know, in those later rounds, just because he's Emiliano Grillo. Let me ask you this, and then I'll, I will answer that question. So let's take anybody on underdog and you're, you are correct. We have a very limited sample size right now that we're working with. Let's say anybody who's outside of who's in that price range in salary cap, anybody who's outside the top 25 in underdog ADP. I'll give you four names here. Emiliano Grillo, Adam Hadwin, Lucas Herbert, Aaron Rye. Is is there an order of those four of where you would want to go? Because they're all right around each other. And then I'll give you mine after that and answer the question. I really like Aaron Rye too. I, I, I think there's... so. Here would be my here would be my answer to this question. I think other outside of Herbert, who I'm not on this week, if you look at Grio, Hadwin, and Rye, those are not three players as of this current moment that I am playing in salary cap. I think that a guy like Hadwin may be a little bit too popular for the current form that he's bringing to the table. I know everybody wants to play that course fit. Now on underdog, they don't seem to be doing that, which is what makes him intriguing. I think Rye and Grio are the two options there that in salary cap, you know, they're sub 10% and you can make an argument that you can create some leverage by playing them in that capacity. I think that their price is a little bit higher than what it should be, but they're differential in the rank versus where I have them. Um, there's, there's enough value to go down that route. Now, I, I guess the only alternative I would give to that is I do think that there are players that are even further that are maybe right in that fringe range. Like I'll give you a name as an example here. Cause I think there's a lot of this that continually keeps happening, at least from the numbers that I see right now, when you take, and we only can draft so many players and this is where it becomes difficult of why I don't like, it's obviously a last pick is what I'm trying to say if it happens, but um, look at a guy like Andrew Putnam. He's super popular in salary cap. He has an underdog ADP right now of 26.5. I would rather play Andrew Putnam if push came to shove. So like, while I'm okay playing them, I I do think it starts getting into this weird mode to where if we're only drafting six players and there's only 24 going off the board. Let me stop you there. There are 10. This is straight up best ball. So you get to roster 10. This is fantastic. This is everything. This are like our reaction to this. I don't know if you guys care that are listening, (laughs) but this is what Spencer and I were bitching about politely to our sponsors at underdog for the last three months, this is exactly like now I will draft Taylor Montgomery because I get four spots to burn. So you draft 10 people, six are your start. I mean, it's literally just like, you know, underdogs, NFL best ball now for golf for the full weekend. 
this is fantastic. I'm, I want to curse a lot in joy, and I'm not going to do that today. I'll curse on the, the <laughs> NFL pod, but this is fantastic. So, yes, now you can. I so, will take Rio. I will take Taylor Montgomery relatively yes. early, those boomer busts, and then just kind of mix it with cut makers. So, yeah, I'm. this is fantastic. But, yeah, yeah. so you mentioned Andrew Putnam. He's in my salary cap lineup right now, and that it scares me. He's just so damn popular. But is, is he mispriced? Because in terms of – Where's his ADP? The market and underdog does not like him very much. Does it at the moment? Small sample size, like we said. Ah, he's right there. I mean, he's pretty much right in line with his price. He's 24th off the board. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like him. And, and I think just to double down on the point that you just said, like, obviously a, a lot of these things are coming out live when we're recording that we're finding out new things with this, which is great to hear. I do think it changes my sentiment behind a guy like Grio. Now with this being best ball, a, a player like Grio, there's a lot more intrigue to draft them a little bit earlier. Like I think he's a top 20 pick in a draft. So I uh, just want to throw that out there. Like he's definitely going lower than he should be. But um, I mean, do you want to, how do you want to do this today, Nick? Like I'll, I'll follow your lead of however you want to break this down. Oh, I mean, I don't really care anymore. I say we just get the news out and post the pod and get a link out there. But uh, okay. we'll go. We'll go a couple more guys that are just sandwiched in between chalk, just because I think that provides people with some leverage in their tournaments. If you like them, if you don't, I'll just mention the popular guys on seller cap format, just because it's very likely those same players are the ones playing on underdog and will probably draft very similarly. So. I love Vincent Norman and Aaron Rise the same price, and their ADPs are way off Aaron Rye is going 31st off the board on average right now he's like 34th in their overall rankings Vincent Norman looks to me like a fantastic course fit he is in amazing form he's won two events already and he doesn't really get any of the popularity because you know the best Swedish golfer out there right now is Ludwig Alex Norin. yeah Alex Norin honorable mention and Norin had his run you know he's getting older now time to let you know, pass it to the new guard. I think Norman is a fantastic player here. Awesome driver, of the golf ball. He's long. He's accurate. Those short irons are getting much better for him. And butter starting to come alive a little bit. Just won the Irish open, which is awesome in September. That's a pretty big event over there in Europe. And then the Barbasol in the middle of July is obviously like a, like a throwaway tournament, but the guy's getting it done. The strokes hand approach, you know, he's becoming a, pure ball striker in every sense of the form and the short game's getting better too. I don't think we care a whole lot about short game this week. Obviously it's great for bogey avoidance and things like that, but these greens are pretty flat, not many runoffs, anything like that. Uh, as long as you're hitting the fairway, you should be able to get the green regulation and everything about his ball striking right now is, is through the roof. So I would take Norman over Rye there. I don't think I would need, I would too to even like roster both just to get different. And I think I would take J.J. Spawn over Aaron Rye as well. And let's look at J.J. Spawn. He's coming off the board real early right now, ninth in their overall rankings. I think that's perfect. I think that's fair. I think, yeah. I think Norman's low. Like Adam Svensson's going before Nor Norman. Norman's going to be popular, so is Svensson. But I like, I like Norman more than I like Eric Cole. Eric Cole can't hit a fairway and can't hit the ball 270 <laughs> yards. So maybe he can out here. I guess maybe that's a saving grace for him. But he is such a terrible driver of the golf ball and fantastic at everything else. I, I think I would like a thousand, you know, like, yeah, a significantly amount less for Vincent Norman. I want him over a lot of guys at the top of the board. 
Yeah, I made a, a concrete decision with Eric Cole that any time that he was above 40 to one or in that range in the outright market that I was going to take him just because he has a player that has value in my model every single week. I do think that there is a pronounced lack of upside that we're seeing because of those driving numbers. Like you can't be outside of the top 110 out of 186 players in both driving distance and driving accuracy. You lose some of your upside in, in that sense there. I, I agree with you on the spawn thing. Like he is to me a fringe top 10 pick. I have no problem there. The one thing I'm going to do, and, and we'll keep this show short. You never hear that answer from me. Like, I mean, I try to convince you before we start, and maybe this is just me easing you back into this. I know you have football and all this other stuff. I want to do a five-hour show. I, I will we'll wrap this up within the next couple minutes here. But the one thing I want to say that I think is an interesting way to look at this right now is if you look at salary cap and you look at some of the ownership, and I was just running these numbers as as you were talking, there's some really popular players that maybe for one reason or another, maybe you're playing them in salary cap. Maybe you decided not to play them because you thought there was too much popularity. But there are some massive differences, which is what was intriguing to me, on guys that are top 10 owned players in salary cap that are going out on this board, you know, outside the top 10 or, or in certain ranges. So if you look at a guy like, and I'll just run through some names very quickly, Adam Shank. I have an outright bet on him this week, but 13th in underdog rank at a 14.6 underdog ADP. He's the third highest owned player right now. I think that this underdog spot, like I'm playing him everywhere. I think he's one of the better players on the board, but I think this underdog spot is a really intriguing spot that you can get him outside of the first round. JT Poston, another player I have an outright yeah. on. He's going out. He's going at 12.7 with his underdog ADP. I think he should be a top five or six pick off of this board. So um, when you run down, Andrew Putnam is another name, 26.5. He's the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh person in projected ownership for me right now so you can find these massive differences if you go through davis thompson would be another sam Ryder. I, I don't i don't like davis thompson i think his ownership's ridiculous well for for salary cap i can yeah get, get him on underdog instead yes i think that's where like the difference he's a 25.6 underdog adp who is going off right now as in my model the 11th person off the board in ownership. Like, I think that would be a way to get your exposure to Davis Thompson. Uh, there's good safety ratings in my model, which is a weird answer that I feel trouble giving about Davis Thompson. Cause every time I give that answer, he misses the cut, but these easy scoring courses are usually a, a boost room. But yeah, I mean, most yeah. of these names, I would double down on the Vincent Norman answer. Um, I don't know if there's anybody else here that would jump off the page necessarily. Maybe, Nikolai Hoygaard, it's kind of the same answer with the Grio thing to where yeah. he's going outside the top 20 if you just want to take random shots on some of these players. But I think that's an intriguing way to attack the underdog slate this week because there are differences that can be found. Now, you have to figure out how much that means to you of those disparities there and kind of figure out which ones actually make logical sense to attack. But um, yeah, like this, this perspective now of this running throughout an entire tournament changes the entire landscape of what we've been doing on this show for the past two months. Like there's real advantages to be had that I think players are going to go way too early and way too late based off of factors that don't matter. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm excited for it. It is in beta testing. So we just got the message um, from our underdog folk. And so try it out. We'll do a draft. Um, we'll throw, we'll do an extra 50 to first place. So Spencer, 
Real quick, Davis Thompson, actually looking at skill profile and kind of comparing my numbers, he's not far away from Vincent Norman. If I And he's on the recent form one, so where Vincent Norman kind of showed it all year long. Davis Thompson irons are coming alive a little bit, and he's an awesome driver to golf ball. So maybe I don't hate him as much, but for an erratic iron player like him, I have no interest if the ownership's through the roof on salary cap format. But a couple other just like potential. I'm going to guys. play him in salary cap. I just want to throw that out there. Um, I understand your sentiment. I, I think he has win equity this week. Okay. That's fine. I mean, what are your thoughts? I, I already know your thoughts on Putnam, but I'm the donkey that's going to play Andrew Putnam, but he just looks so safe. I like Hubbard. I'll yeah. give Hubbard a little nod. His ADP is right there with Adam Shank. I think I'd rather have Shank on underdog and Hubbard on uh, sailor cap formats. Any love for, I'm just going to throw some names at you. Alex Smalley, no ownership at all when everybody's playing Tom Hoagie. I don't know, Nick. I, I, I never get this Alex Smalley thing correct. And I, All right, I you stay off because I'm staying yeah. on. Next okay. guy, Luke List, going back to the winner. Uh, I am out on Luke List. All right. Doug Gim graded very well for me right there with Davis Thompson. One of the most erratic players in probably the world. But the Gim Reaper, thoughts on the Gim Reaper? Wonderful. I think he's a wonderful underdog play this week. He might miss the cut again. I think this is a good bounce back spot for him. He's going off the board as the 51st player currently. Uh, I mean, he's 35.2 underdog ADP. So I think he's a good underdog play, maybe beyond anything else. Okay. Sandwich in between mid-tier chalk and the salary cap side of things, which I think is always a landmine. SH Kim and Ben Griffin drawing all the ownership. Taylor Pendrith or Sam Stevens right in between them. Uh, I like I like Pendrith. I mean, this guy tore it up on tour a year and a half ago, went rogue. The game kind of came back to place back at, uh, like end of summer and then sucked at the 3M. I guess I think he played the Wyndham. And then we haven't seen him since the Ford Note, which was a missed cut, but the iron play was there. I think, did he miss a cut on the number? I always yeah. like looking at guys that are like trending yeah. a little bit and miss a cut on the number and no one's going to play him. I need to find what he shot. It may have been bad. Yeah, I, I mean, he missed the cut by three shots. I, uh, like, I mean, if we're looking specifically at like some of the names you mentioned, like SH Kim, my model likes him this week. I think there's so much volatility around him that rather than playing him at 10% plus ownership, you're probably getting the same upside by playing Pendris. So I, I do think it's a natural pivot point if you want to take it. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to get there, but I don't, hate it by any means yeah and then sam stevens just can't hit a fairway so he didn't grade very well for me but the iron play looks good um all right let me ask you one question before we get out of here please yeah all right so do you have the underdog adps up in front of you sure do so i assume the answer is going to be maybe pendrith based off of the answer that you've given me but of a player that currently and, and i'll run through some of these names but of a player that i don't see currently going off with the underdog adp although i may have put the wrong code in on pendrith because it's showing not available right now so you may be able to correct me on that one but is there a player that currently has not been selected in an underdog draft that you like targeting this week that you th think should be taken Okay. Yeah. So right now he is not, and this is only the ADPs that we have available just because the full round or the full tournament contest just opened up and it is beta testing. So let us know if there are any issues, but 
Yeah, so the ADP that we pulled is just for the round one contest, but those that were not drafted, Taylor Pendrith is one of them. Um, man, I don't know if there's anybody down here that I would like. I guess my answer changes because, I mean, that is a true point that you brought up that we are only looking at the round one right now before we put in the, like, we don't have enough data the other way. I do have a couple names that have not been taken that maybe are going. Can I give you one? Yeah. I think his game is starting to get back to playable. And he was, you know, one of the top 20 iron ball strikers on tour and a fairway finder. And assuming the greens have we do, are they going to play firm and fast? I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm hearing, but I I'm going to go with, I mean, with everybody saying that I'm going to go with that. It's not as firm and fast as everybody believes. What about Russell Knox? Russell Knox looked, uh, he played well at the same extent. Yeah. He actually gained strokes putting. I don't think you have a, a, you don't really have a ceiling with this guy or the ceiling is very low. Rather I say that, but I think he's, if his game's in pretty good form, he hasn't missed a cut since the Wyndham. So that's August. So not two tournaments. He made the cut in a row, but the iron play has been lights out since July. So I like that. And that's historically who he is. And he's very short off the tee. I think the elevation will hit, help him here. And he's going to hit a ton of fairways. Yeah. I Yeah. I mean, I don't have a, pro- I, I have names that I would rather play than him, but I, I mean, I think he's, I guess I worry. I guess it depends on what we're talking about with him. Like, I don't know what his upside is, unfortunately. <laughs> That's making the cut. I mean, if you, I think if you draft a bunch of high upside, high volatility type of guys, I mean, I don't know. Russell Knox is the definition of high volatility though. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of hate him in best ball for that reason. Like there may be, I mean, you know, in a weird way as, as, I don't even necessarily feel comfortable giving this answer, but if you find yourself in a pinch in like a cash game build for salary cap contest, I mean, I guess you could do worse than him at the price tag that you're going to pay. It opens up a <laughs> lot of yourself top. in a pinch. I love that. Hey, you just have no salary. Literally at all. go to Russell Knox. Fuck I mean, this is how I build my lineups. I just put in all the most expensive players that I want to play. And then I look at the bottom and I end up with Lexi Thompson somehow. Hey, she's a fairway finder. <laughs> exactly. I, I think there are a couple players though that maybe possess a little bit more upside that are intriguing that are not going off the board right now. I would say a guy like Justin Lauer would be a name to keep an eye on. His I iron. was gonna mention him, and but I know I feel like you're the only guy in the world I've ever heard have action on Justin Lauer more than once. <laughs> I did. It's probably been like it's, it's probably been like five to ten times just this season. So. He didn't grade too bad for me. I'm okay with that. He's a fairway finder as well. Let's pull up his page real quick. It, my, as you're doing He's that, um, Chad Ramey would be the one that I probably like the most. Um, Ramey has a really interesting profile of the current form with back-to-back top 20s. He has the two top 28s here. The statistical data all landed inside the top 50 for him. So I think Ramey's an intriguing name. And then if we want to just kind of go further down this board, I think Grayson Sig is a potential bounce back candidate after missing the cut. He's made two cuts here. Uh, Martin Laird potentially in, in underdog. I think he's going to be more popular for salary cap contests and you can make a decision there, but former winner of this event in 2020 uh, currently not going off the board and underdog. I do think he has some made cut equity plus upside with him. 
probably where I would pretty much pencil this off. I mean, if you want to take a shot with Pendrith, I don't have a problem there. Probably out on most everybody else. I mean, maybe we might be talking once again about somebody that just has a limited upside, but do you have any thoughts on David Lipsky? I've never got that guy right. Me either. I mean, he comes and goes like he gets hot and he makes a couple cuts in a row. So I'm okay with that, but yeah, he's been hot recently, which is kind of one of the reasons that he's propelling himself in my model. He, the statistical data didn't love him, but didn't make the cut here last season. I mean, he's made one, two, three, four, five, five consecutive cuts. The problem is none of those finishes have really been noteworthy. You don't have anything better than a 30th place at the Fortinet, but at least that would be a recent result for him. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's where at that point you've probably hit the, like there's going to be people on the board, even when we're looking at the underdog ADPs of this, like there's going to be names, maybe a Peter quest. I never can get him right, but he probably goes late who possesses a little bit of upside. Like there there's Alex Norin, like joking about never getting a person, right. You could throw him into the mix, but um, that's kind of the range that I would put a lot of those guys minus. I do like Lauer and Ramey specifically more than a lot of those guys at the very bottom that have ADPs right now. Right on. All right. One guy we got to talk about Mr. Course history, probably one of the highest owned players on the board, Matthew Neesmith. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really game staple. Yeah. Do you have any interest in a GPP? I feel like I'd rather have Ramey. They look about the same. I would rather have Ramey also. So I'm probably out. I mean, I think he's, I think he's less bad on underdog, which is kind of the answer I've given about a lot of these guys. I, I still think he's going too early. I don't necessarily think he should be a the 26th pick, but he's 35th in my model. <clears throat> Obviously, if you put an extended weight on course history, like, I mean, that's something I can do very quickly. Um, if I increase the weight on course history, he jumps to me for... Give me one second here. He would jump to inside the top 25. So I guess it just comes down to how much course history you actually want to attach to him. I, I typically think that's a bad route to go down for GPP contest. I think that people are baking that into it and that's why everybody plays them. But yeah, I mean, cash game staple that I don't have a problem putting there. I think he's safe for the most part. I don't know if I will get there for GPPs. Probably would rather play him in on underdog if I was going to. Rock on. All right. Well, let's get a draft out there. I will tweet something out. It looks like we'll do a four-person draft. We'll add 50 bucks to first. Um, use promo code BGP. And it must be 18 or older to play. 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona. 19 plus in Alabama and Nebraska. And present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms do apply. Consider with your play. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. In New York, call the 24-7 HOPE line at 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to four six seven three six nine in tennessee call or text the tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789 spencer where else can everybody find your work and uh let's do this draft who if we get the first pick who we take in tom kim or ludwig tom kim thank you all right yeah where can everybody find you this week and all your work for the shriners 
Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Tee Sports. You can find Nick over on Twitter at Sticks Picks. Uh, you're going to be able to find me in a lot of different places. You can get my model over at Rotoballer. We obviously produced an Action Network podcast together at Links and Locks where we went through a lot of our plays a lot more in depth than we did here from a betting perspective. I did the gimme with Jason Sobel. Be sure to check that out. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, this is very exciting news with Underdog. Like we've been pushing really hard for a long time to get these week-long contests over the daily ones. I am thrilled to see that into existence. I think there's going to be an advantage to be had for anybody out there who puts their research into it. So, I mean, we cannot thank you guys enough who show us support, who listen to the show. Um, I will probably be out at the Shriners tomorrow. If you are in Vegas, be sure to drop by and say hello. But uh, thank you so much for everybody out there who does show support to us. And we will be back here again very shortly.